0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. So cool. Thank you. God bless you. You can be seated. Wow, some incredible stories. Thank you for your commitment to not just being a healthy local church, but a church that's having a global impact. And if you're new today or you're watching online, you can sense that. In the DNA of this church is a desire to take this gospel around the world, and uh, it's it's really where the blessing of the Lord is. You know, the Assemblies of God. When you call yourself Assembly of God, you know, ninety five percent of us resides outside of the United States. In fact, there are ten times more McDonald's or ten times more Assemblies of God churches in the world than there are McDonald's restaurants. That's because ministries like LifePoint Church believe that everybody has a right to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for going, thank you for those who supported students to go, and uh, appreciate that so much. Wow, this is a privileged opportunity to be here and to see and sense all that God's doing. You know, I'm in a different church every week, sometimes two and three times a week, uh, large churches, small churches, rural areas, urban settings, and here's what I can tell you, great churches are not built accidentally. Uh, a great church, number one, takes uh, the blessing of the Lord, a canopy of God's spirit. How many of you know Life Point Church has experienced a canopy of God's blessing over it throughout its, all its years? In fact, this church has had a significant impact in my life. Because about 42 years ago, there were four guys who left a bar and came in here during a Charles and Francis Hunter revival, heard the gospel. Walked out of that and about four months later, one of those individuals came back on a Wednesday night and right down there gave his heart to the Lord and he has been a life-giving friend to me who his life and his ministry has literally touched the world and that's my friend Gary Meyer who's the CEO of Friedrich's Coffee in Des Moines, Iowa. So you never know what happens in a local church, how that gets tethered to what God is doing in and around the world. It's a canopy of God's blessing. A great church also takes people like you that understand what a church is. We're not just some religious fraternity that meets on a weekly basis to accomplish some humanitarian events. We're the body of Christ that God is using to expand his kingdom here on earth. And so I want to thank you for being such a healthy church but great churches also take called and capable leadership and can i just express to you something i think you already know when it calls, comes to called and capable leadership you have a great one sitting right down there in the front row and pastor drew man you're a rock star Thanks for doing it right. Thanks for having a kingdom vision. Thanks for seeing beyond what God is doing here but around the world. And I just celebrate you and your family and uh, we rejoice at what God's doing in your presence and through you guys, so thank you so much. I want to teach this morning on this concept of being aware of God's presence, Just, just aware of his presence. Can I ask you, have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? If you've gone through a situation, maybe unexpectedly, and you wondered, where's God? Or maybe you felt like Job, or excuse me, you felt like Jacob in this verse, Genesis 28:16, he says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Have you ever seen one of these? Symbols, in case of an emergency, break the glass. <laughs> you know, they're, it's usually painted bright red. It stands out from its surroundings. It's designed to grab your attention. Maybe it's an access to an alarm or an AED machine. But uh, here's the deal, when life is normal, you have a tendency to ignore or forget those indicators. But when the hallway starts filling up with smoke, Those indicators become really important. And I would say the same is true regarding the presence of God. Now, it's mind boggling to me to know that God never has to go anywhere to be there because he's already there. That's a term that we use, Um, it's a proverbial truth, it's a theological term that we call omnipresence. It means God is everywhere at once. God can be in Southeast Asia, God can be in Trinidad, God can be in Ames, Iowa, it's 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 a great word. But for this morning's reflection, I would remind you that God isn't just an omnipresent God, he's a right here, right now, right next to you present God. He's a God that is close as the mention of his name. He's a God that when you cry out to him, he hears your prayer. That's probably what David meant when he penned these words in Psalm 139. He says, where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb up to the highest heavens, you'd be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would be there. If I were to go rim to rim, you would be there as well. Suppose I had wings like the dawning of the day and flew across the ocean. Even then your powerful arm would guide and protect me presence of God, not the omnipresence of God, the right here, right now, right next to you presence of God. I believe that when you realize that God is with you at all times and wherever you go, uh, it can sustain you when you experience those, why is this happening to me type times. So it's this concept. The presence of God, because without a healthy understanding of God's right-next-to-you presence in the present, it'll be hard to have a healthy outlook towards the future. So this morning, this whole idea of the living with an awareness of God's presence, I wanna unpack a couple of thoughts for you for your spiritual consideration this morning. First thought would be this, that when you feel afraid, You need to remember God's as close as the mention of his name. When you feel afraid, God or can I go back? I'm sorry, I I missed that. When you feel discouraged, God's with you and He's on your side. When you feel discouraged, God is with you and your He's on your side. Now, I think you know this, right? Life is full of discouragement. It comes at you at all times. It sneaks up on you subtly. It comes totally out of the blue. Discouragement in life is really not optional or unavoidable, but how you handle it is so critical. You know, I've discovered in my life that discouragement has a tendency to cloud your perspective and when your perspective gets clouded it can lead to a critical spirit and when you have a critical spirit it's oftentimes difficult to be aware of God's presence That's probably why David said in Psalm 116, eight and nine, he says, the Lord saved me from death when he stopped my tears and he kept me from defeat. And so now watch this. I walk in the presence of the Lord in the world of the living. I walk in the presence of the Lord. I love your seasons of prayer that are coming up because sometimes if we're not careful, we walk in the presence of whatever we read on social media. We walk in the presence of whatever news broadcast we just walk. We walk in the presence of that. And sometimes when we walk in the presence of outside voices, it clouds our perspective. I read about a college student, a daughter who wrote home to her mom and dad, and she wrote this letter. She said, dear mom and dad, I know this is going to be really disappointing to you, but I met a guy. He's about 15 years older than I am, but we're in love. Mom, Dad, we just eloped, and I'm two months pregnant. I'm dropping out of school, and I'll contact you. At some point in the future, I feel really sorry, your daughter. And just below that note, it said, P.S., just kidding, but I flunked a one class, and I need $200. I just want you to keep things in perspective. Perspective's huge, isn't it? It's huge. And yet oftentimes, circumstances, voices, and realities of life can keep us from having this perspective that God is right here and he's on my side. He really is as close as the mention of his name. When it comes to being aware of God's presence, I'd also remind you that when you feel afraid, God's as close as the mention of his name. In fact, Would you read this out loud with me? Everybody in the audience today, read this out loud with me. When you feel afraid, God is as close as the mention of his name. Now is it just me, or does it seem that there's a lot of free-floating anxiety floating around in culture today? And that free-floating anxiety produces fear. And fear and anxiety anymore isn't just limited to people who are thinking about retirement. Fear and anxiety can hit junior high students. It can hit college students. It can hit uh, career singles. It can hit young couples. And I want to talk to you for a minute this morning about how do you deal with anxiety redemptively so that fear doesn't come in and sabotage your dreams and your purposes that God has for your life? To do that, I'd like to reflect on the life of King David, something that I'm sure many of the students, both in Chi Alpha and the school here have talked about, but do you remember the life of David? There was a short season of David's life when he had had an incredible anxiety attack, and instead of dealing with it redemptively, he let fear get a hold of his life, and it almost derailed his purpose. Here's the backdrop to this. David, uh, was the youngest of his family, and uh, he was appointed by God to be the next king of Israel. And when Samuel came out to anoint David as the next king, it was a it was a real spiritual moment. It was like a ordination service times ten. I mean, it was very moving. Samuel poured oil over his head and t- talked about how God it was setting him apart to lead his people. It was a moving spiritual m- moment. But immediately after that moment, David realizes one thing Saul is still on the throne. And instead of wrapping his understanding around the assurances of God's calling, he gave in to the fear and the anxiety of what if. And I want you to sort of see the downward spiral of where anxiety took David. You read about this short season of his life in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse one. First thing I noticed that David did when when he had anxiety is this, he started thinking to himself more than he should have. He actually started thinking to himself more than he should. In fact, 1 Samuel 27, verse one says, but David kept thinking to himself. Someday Saul's going to get me. And I would submit to you, that was the beginning of David's problem. He thought to himself too much. And when you think to yourself too much, your mind and your disposition lead you away from the certainty of God's promises. God had called him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. It was powerful. But not only did he think to himself too much, watch this in 1 Samuel 27 verse one, David says, well, I guess the best thing I can do is to escape the Philistines. Why would you go and start hanging out in the very people group that God was calling you to lead your people from? It's because he forgot that the presence of the Lord was right there, right now, right next to him, and would sustain him in this new leadership assignment. Can I tell you, sometimes when you're facing tough situations in life, you gotta just stop thinking to yourself and start claiming the promises of God. You gotta just stop. Now, I can't promise you that you're not gonna be faced with situations that don't produce high anxiety But I can promise you that the Spirit of the Lord who lives inside of you and the presence of the Lord that's right next to you can help you deal with that. I suspect I can relate to being stricken with a panic attack. My third day as General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Now, uh, I followed Dr. George Wood. Uh, two law degrees, two, two PhDs, one in law, one in theology. He was a prolific writer. And, and I mean, Dr. Wood, when anything was going on in culture, he could sort of write an article and just put people at ease. Well, I'm third day in office following Dr. George Wood as this leader of the largest Pentecostal movement in the world, and some things were happening in culture. And all of a sudden, other people's expectations about what I should do started coming at me. Some of my friends said, Doug, you ought to write an article on this. You just need to address it head on and make a statement. Other people were saying, don't mention anything. That's going to polarize the church. Some people were saying, you should do something. Other people, stay silent. I'm thinking to myself, oh, WWGW, what would George Wood do in a time like this? I mean, I I was wigging out. Now, I'm... I was born and raised in the church. I uh, grew up in this thing, but I was desperate. I wanted to get it right. I had good people wanting me to say something, other people not wanting me. and So um, I did something. I, uh, I've never done this before. I've never counseled anybody to do this, but I was desperate i grabbed my bible that was on my coffee table it's the bible that i got when i was ordained and it it just stays open there to remind me to just sort of get my equilibrium and really stay grounded in scripture and i grabbed my copy of god's word and i brought it to my desk i said lord I really need to know, what should I do? Should I say something? Should I not say something? I want to get this right. I believe in your word. I believe your word is inspirational. I believe your word is infallible. I believe your word is, you know, is without air. So so God, I just want you to speak to me through your word. And when I said amen, I let my Bible fall open. I didn't look down because I wanted this to be really spiritual. So I took my finger and I plopped it down And when I looked down, I noticed I was in the book of Job. (laughs) And my finger was really close to Job chapter three, verse 25, that says, that which I feared has come upon you and what I have dreaded most is, and I said, Lord, that's not from you. I closed that sucker back up. (laughs) So I grabbed my phone and I flipped on some worship music and Spotify And I went to where my daily reading was that day. And it's interesting, I happened to be in the book of Joshua. So I just started scouring through Joshua. And the book of Joshua talks about banish your fear and doubts and remember the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous, be very strong and courageous. And I tell you that story because there are things in life that will, that will produce a lot of anxiety. There are things in life that some people will tell you you should do. Other people will tell you you should do this. And if you're not careful, that can produce high levels of anxiety. But here's what I know. God hasn't given to you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And if you will lean into him versus leaning into other people's expectation or your own voice, I can assure you, God will give you a word. Well, when you look at David, man, he thought to himself more than he should. Second thing that happens when you get overcome with anxiety and you don't deal with it biblically, you forfeit your ability to make good decisions. Check this out, verse one. David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul's gonna get me. So the best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Really, David? That's the best thing you can do? No, it's not the best thing you can do. The other thing that happens when you give in to anxiety and you don't deal with it biblically is you create instability for other people around you. Mm -hmm. David and his men and their families, settled there in Achish Get. David brought his two wives along with him. In other words, we think at times, my problem is just my problem, my issues are just my issues, not realizing that our anxiety that goes unchecked can ultimately impact other people. <laughs> I think of my own mom, 91 years old. She became a widow at age 40. My dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack at age 40 and my mom became a single mom at age 40 and raised three of us. She's 91 years old. She walks two miles every day. She's still very active in the ministry. She's still, she's just, just going for God, going going in life. I remember hearing her give her testimony one time about Mom, Clay, how did you do it? How did you, how did you make it through? She said, well, I just figured I could either be mad and bitter at God or I could trust God and constantly be looking for his presence in my life. I have a feeling that my mom took this verse pretty seriously, Proverbs 14, 26, that those who fear the Lord are secure for he will be a refuge for their children. My mom's bitterness could have derailed me, but my mom's faith has certainly been catalyst for the development of my own faith. You create instability for others. Ultimately, when you give in to fear, you do things you said you would never do. David was called to deliver his people from, from the Philistines, from the oppression of the Philistines. Now he's choosing to live with them? It might interest you to know, for those of you who are students, in this short season of time, David never wrote a psalm or he never composed a hymn. So you might say that for a short season of time, he ultimately lost his identity and his purpose when he was wrestling with anxiety. See, when you live in fear... (laughs) when you live in fear it has a tendency to put things out of perspective and those issues and those problems get bigger than the God who's right here right now right next to you God because as I've been reminded all throughout my life we serve a God who really is as close as the mention of his name and when we cry out to him he hears us in our distress. Isn't that what Jeremiah 29, 12 says? Then you will call on me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me and find me with all of your heart, Psalm eighteen six. check this out. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to God for my help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him to his ears. Right here. The right now, the right next to you presence. Got one more thought for you. All right? Let me just, <laughs> let me throw this one out when it comes to the presence of the Lord. Uh, when you feel tempted, remember that God the Holy Spirit is your coach. That when you feel tempted, God the Holy Spirit is your coach. Now, just like disappointment, just like fear, just like, and I, I can't promise you that you're never going to feel tempted. In fact, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So when you're tempted, you're not alone. Other people feel tempted. Christ felt tempted, tempted to throw in the towel, tempted to walk away from the temp, uh, from the faith. But the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says this, for we do have a high priest who's unable. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. Watch this. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. All right, so the big idea and the takeaway thought from this is this. The Holy Spirit is not an it to be debated. He's not a ghost to be feared. He's not some third member that's an idle spectator of the Trinity. He's actually the third member of the Godhead that when you said yes to Jesus lives inside of you. And I think at times, we don't allow the the Holy Spirit to kind of have the the work in our lives. Somehow, in in charismatic circles and in Pentecostal circles, we only attribute the Holy Spirit to a few sign gifts that manifest themselves on Sundays. But did you know that when you said yes to Jesus Christ, that it's the third member of the Godhead, the person called the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? And check out what the Holy Spirit can help you do. First of all, the Holy Spirit can protect you from yourself and the wrong thinking that the enemy tries to bring your way. Proverbs, or Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those two words are really big. No condemnation. Too many people get tripped up by the very things that the Lord forgave them of. The other thing the Holy Spirit can do in our life is this. The Holy Spirit can give you a sense of contentment for where you're at, even if where you're at's not ideal. Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, let your sinful nature control your mind. Boy, that leads to death. But the spirit that controls your mind leads to life and peace. That sounds like contentment to me. That tells me that whatever space that God gets in my life, I'm going to have peace in. And I would say the other thing that the Holy Spirit does is he has the ability to give you an awareness of Christ's presence in and around your life. Presence. Man, it's so important. It's so important not just to believe we uh, in the omnipresence of God. It's important to live with a daily understanding that God is right here, right now, right next to you, present. I suspect I discovered the power of presence in my grandson, um, Jackson. So, hey, by show of hands, any grandparents in the house? If you're a grandparent, can I see your hand? Isn't grandparenting wonderful? Man, I'm loving grandparenting. We have seven grandkids, one on the way. And you know what I've discovered? The reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well, it's because we have the same common enemy, their parents. (laughs) Right? So about three years ago, my oldest grandson, Jackson, and I decided that it would be okay for him to have us first overnighter at Papa's house. Now, it took a lot of convincing on his mom, my firstborn, to do this, but we tag-teamed together, and we sort of convinced her, brought her into submission that this would be Okay. Man, I'll never forget, I went over to pick him up, I had my truck, and I pulled into the driveway, and when I pulled into the driveway, he was standing there with his Spider-Man backpack, just filled with stuff, Paw Patrol cartoon videos, and, and, and jammies, and snacks, and I pulled in, and he said, Papa, Papa, and I walked up, I said, Jackson, you ready to come to Papa's house? He said, yeah, I am, yeah, I am. I grabbed his hand, and we started walking to the truck, when all of a sudden, his mom, My firstborn. Cleared her throat and said, dad, dad. I said, yeah. She handed me a three by five card with a set of six very specific instructions on them. I thought, my God, I raised her better than this. (laughs) So I started reading these instructions. I got down to instruction number three, dad, comma. After 6 p.m., Please make sure you put two parts water, one part apple juice in his sippy cup. Well, I thought, first of all, we don't do mixed drinks at Papa's house. (laughs) Hey, we're 100% Dr. Pepper at Papa's house. two parts water home part yeah i got it babe we got in the truck i tore that no card up i said come on jackson we're gonna have fun and you know what we did i mean we played wiffle ball we played hide and go seek we watched paw patrol dvds everything was going great he got his bath on time he got his jammies on he ate everything and just about the time that he was to retire A southwest Missouri storm whipped up. I mean, a doozy of a storm. Loud thunder, crackling lightning. I could tell Jackson was a little anxious. I said, little buddy, do you want to sleep in Papa's room? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. So I made a sleeping area just down on my side of the bed. And I said, now, little buddy, just lay down. And okay, he'd lay down. Boom, a crack of thunder. He'd jump up. I'd say, you're okay, little buddy. Lay back down. Flash of lightning would hit He jumped back up. Well, I said something. And as a preacher, sometimes it's an occupational hazard that you say something that you don't think about. It just sort of comes out and you can't really reel it back in, you know what I mean? And So I said something to him, and I said, Jackson, now listen, little buddy. You don't have to be afraid of thunder. After all, thunder is nothing more than just God moving his furniture up in heaven. (laughs) Oh, don't judge me, Grandpa. Don't judge me. You would have put Robitussin in that sippy cup, so don't judge me, Grandpa. <laughs> he, um, he said, oh, okay, and he laid back down. Next crack of thunder, he didn't jump up. I'm like, cool, I'll let his kid's pastor work on his theology. I just want him to, like, fall asleep. <laughs> so I roll over, and I'm thinking, it's all good. He's asleep, and I'm about ready to fall asleep, and in a loud reverberating thunder hit i mean just one of those that kind of reverberated for a while well come on grandparents you know we have an extra sense i could feel a set of eyes just looking at me and so when i rolled over sure enough he wasn't standing all the way up he was just looking above the mattress just but his eyes were huge and i rolled and before i could say anything he said papa You think I could lay with you till God quits moving his furniture? (laughs) I said, you bet, little buddy. So I picked him up and I plopped him down in bed next to me and in 30 seconds, he was out. You know, I couldn't convince that little tyke that the storm on the outside wouldn't hurt him on the inside. But as long as he was in close proximity To papa he had a sense of security to rest comfortably even though there was a storm on the outside that was wigging him out you know my point is this I can't promise you that life is going to be hassle-free I can't promise you that life is going to be not filled with things that produce high levels of anxiety but I can promise you this the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous can run and are safe. I can promise you that God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And sometimes in life, what you need most is just to realize that the third member of the Godhead, whose name is the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you, and he is a best coach that you can ever have. It's presence presence so I get it in uh, we have this confessional theology that says God's an omnipresent God but sometimes in life we need a practical theology that just says yep God is right here right now right next to me we go to that very last slide if you will I have a couple more points, but I just, I wanted to stay parked on two things. Those of you who are experiencing high levels of anxiety because of circumstantial situations in life, and maybe those of you who have felt like just walking away from it or throwing in the towel, you need to be reminded that God the Holy Spirit wants to help you become aware of the presence of Jesus. I love this quote by Charles Ryrie. It says, you know, a full knowledge of God is both factual and personal. To know facts about a person without knowing the person is limiting. To know a person without knowing facts about that one is shallow. God's revealed many facts about himself, all of which are important in making our personal relationship close, intelligent, and useful. But had he only revealed facts without making it possible to know him personally, such factual knowledge would have little, certainly not eternal usefulness. God's not just an omnipresent God that's Lord over Southeast Asia, Lord over Trinidad, Lord over Ames. He's a God that wants to walk with you and journey with you when you deal with irreconcilable differences within your family, when you deal with a changing culture that implements its value system in your workplace. He's a God that wants to journey with you when you're figuring out what is it that you have next for me, God. He's right here, right now, right next to you, present God. So I would encourage you to develop the discipline of learning how to live with an awareness of his presence in your life. Hey, let's pray. I wanna ask the worship team if they'd come back. God, thank you today that there has been this um, theme from the outset of the song about the spirit brooding over the waters, come rest on us. A theme throughout communion that You want to have fellowship with us. You you want us to come near to you. A theme within the testimonies of those who did cross cultural ministry that, wow, when we just, when we offer to pray, we bring people closer to the awareness of who He is. And then, Lord, this teaching today that reminds us when we get discouraged, when we get afraid, And when we feel like quitting, you're right there, right now, right next to us. I pray this morning, Lord, for two groups of people, and I pray in both of those camps that you would give them courage to respond. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you'd say, Pastor Doug, would you include me in your final prayer? Um, I have never committed myself to Christ. I've never come to that place in my life where I know for certain if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. Oh, you might know a lot about the church. You might have great relationship through some of the ministries of the church. You know some of the songs that the church sings. Uh, You even participate in some of the activities of the church. But if you're honest with yourself today and you're honest with God, you'd say, you know, Doug Clay, I have never, I have never come to that place I know that I know that I know I belong to him and he belongs to me. You know, I can't imagine doing life without having a personal relationship with Jesus. I can't imagine going through all the things that life throws at us that produces fear, anxiety, discouragement, and wanting to quit without knowing that I've been adopted into God's forever family. I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to have you come forward, but while well, everybody else's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you'd say, you know what, Doug, today I want to seal the deal. I want to walk out of here with the full confidence that I'm a child of God and that my sins are forgiven. I'd like to include you in my final prayer. So if that describes you, and I can pray for you, would you just raise your hand and look at me? I want to know who I'm praying for this morning. You'd say, Doug, I want to know that I know I'm tired of living for myself, but I want to know that I know that I know I am a child of God, and my sin will not separate me from Him. Is there anyone? You'd say, include me, Pastor Clay, in your final prayer. Cool, then by that indication... We're all Christ followers in the room. So I want to pray for a second group of people. I'd welcome you to have your heads up and your eyes open on this one. If you're here today and you love the Lord and you're all in, you want to follow him, you want to serve him, you want to get involved in missions trips, you want to get involved in discipleship groups, but if you're honest, you'd say... I'm facing something just this year that's produced some high levels of anxiety and has produced some, wow, can I really trust? In fact, you may have felt like Jacob in that opening verse that said, the Lord's in this place, but I'm not aware of it. And um, you would like someone just to pray for you and with you. You know, experiencing fearful, discouraging anxiety-filled situation doesn't mean you're a person of weak faith. It just means you live in a fallen world. But you don't have to face those circumstances alone. You can face it with the knowledge of the Lord's presence with you and you can face it with a community of people that love you and believe in you. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. When I say amen, I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song but if you're here and you're facing some really stuff that's just draining you it's it's draining you emotionally it's impacting your interpersonal relationships you you fall asleep thinking about it you wake up thinking about it and you you're a candidate to get picked up and placed next to papa It's not denying the reality of your situations. It's just allowing his presence to become a little bigger than what you're facing. And if that describes you, then I think this this time in the service, this worship set is gonna be for you. Because we're gonna take a few moments in both prayer and in worship to turn our eyes upward, to let the Lord give us a perspective adjustment to just take a few moments. And that's the beautiful thing about church. Church gives us an opportunity to take a break from looking at life horizontally and to just take in vertically and to be reminded that God is as close as the mention of his name, that God is on our side, and that the Holy Spirit is a coach that lives inside of us He's not a consultation that we get over the internet or the telephone. He's right here, right now, right next to you. So Lord Jesus, in the next few moments, I pray that as we turn our attention, we turn our hearts, we turn our voices towards you in worship. As we give to you some situations that are producing fear, anxiety, or thoughts of quitting, you would in turn give to us an awareness of your presence. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that just in these brief moments of worshiping you, your kingdom would come, your purposes would be accomplished. And a divine perspective adjustment would happen in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.